Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed. With me as ever is Marek Larwood. Hello, listeners. And we also have a guest this week. It's Mr. Ed Petrie. Hello, Ed. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm all right. Good, good. Thank you for joining us on the programme. I guess it's a programme, the yeah. show. I'm very excited to be here. You're one, you're one of our three listeners. Yes, I am. No, I've, I've genuinely got quite addicted to this podcast and I listen to it all the time. I've listened to it over the Indian Ocean. What? Yes. We, we're, we're a global. Right. You are That's now, That's what yes. we are. We, we had a letter from an email, I should say. From a bunch of Arctic researchers who listen to us really? up in the Arctic as well. Yeah, so. that's a bit weird. It is, isn't it? Hi guys. <laughs> Hi guys. What's it like? They all got try to stay warm. They all got destroyed. They've seen the thing. It was, yeah, it was that like that. Yeah, very yeah. much like that. Uh, but yeah, our podcast started the infection. <laughs> like that, but with with less um, beards. Okay. So that's why there's only three left. Three listeners left. That's right. The old you probably accounted for all our global listening figures. Yeah. It's just you going around the world, travelling around. Yeah, sorry. If you've been getting excited that there's been people in Malaysia, it's because I do a travel show. By the way, I do. That's why I'd be. There we go. That's why I travel around. I do a kids' travel show. I shouldn't be here. I'm a children's TV presenter. Why am I here? <laughs> It's about our demographic. I mean, we have a very childish listenership. I thought you meant, why am I here? Why am I alive? Well, that as well. But that's where your mind goes, isn't it? (laughs) So often. Um, You went to the cinema, didn't you, Mary? Yes, I went to the cinema with another friend of the show, uh, Lizzie Roper. Who she listens? She's the other listener. She's the other listener. So we could never have you both on at the same time. It would be pointless. Um, And she was going to see Adult Life Skills. So I said I'd go along. I've not heard of this. Tell us about it. It's a British comedy release. Um, It's uh, about a a lady. She. I like it. It sounds good. I mean, that's a good way to start things off. You don't. You get people reading more. You don't. It's it's about a lady, and um, she's about to have her thirtieth birthday, and she's living in the shed of her mum and grand's house because she's trying to come to terms with the death of her twin brother. No better way to get over the death of your twin brother. Stay in the Stay with mum and grand. Where are all the men in her life? I mean, obviously, apart from her twin brother, who's dead. And they've probably all died. It just seems thematically strong, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, They don't really go into that. Mm. And um, she's in her shed, and she just makes films, sort of using her thumbs, and she works at the local uh, sort of leisure park... Place. When you say she makes films using her thumbs, 
Could you elaborate whimsical a bit films. More. Oh, whimsical films actually draws on them. Yeah. Right. So, imagine... Now, the thing is about this film is... I it inspired me to make a short film about whimsy because I hate whimsy. <laughs> I'm the worst person to go and watch this film. Do you own a ukulele? It was as soon as it started. I think I said to my my brain went, "Oh fuck, <laughs> this is the wrong." I'm the wrong audience. So you don't like Juno and films like that? I hate Juno. Yeah. Juno started a wave of whimsy across the, the English-speaking world, it, didn't it? Juno really? is... This makes Juno look like aliens. Well, what about Lindsay Anderson? You hate Lindsay Anderson? Not Lindsay Anderson. Oh, that's the, that's the that's person we're going to talk about. Yeah. Where's Anderson? Where's Anderson? Um, I don't mind some Wes Anderson films, so I think they're not just whimsical. I think they're quite humorous and they just... Uh, I, I prefer... Like the Grand Budapest Hotel is... I really enjoyed yeah, it. I watched it recently, and I really like the Cub Scout one as well. Yeah. I think they're not. This Moonrise was, Kingdom. This was just yeah, Moonrise Kingdom. This is just uh, uh, the whimsy of like, when they try and play that music and bank adverts to make you think they're nice. Well, yeah, that's sort of a well, that, guitar. A, a slowed down uh, young female voice doing a song you recognise, but in a whimsical way. Yeah, it's usually sort of a song that's usually a bit more vigorous. So, like either. Uh, it's a it's a young white girl version of rap yeah. or of heavy metal. Bring or your daughter like to the slaughter. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some... I sometimes think whimsy is, is just an excuse for things that are just shit. All oh, right, there's a glove on the floor. I take a picture of that glove. <laughs> oh, there's a you know a, a draw a face on this sausage. It's just rubbish. It's Isn't dodgy. most of your YouTube out? Put drawing faces on sausages. Though. That not in a whimsical way, more as a <laughs> <just> male violent, <laughs> sort of aggressive yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, and I didn't find it funny. Everyone, uh, Brett Goldstein, friend of the show, is in it. Yeah. Um, the whimsical prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone talks really quietly. Right. Everyone acts really pathetically, and I just felt like sh- shouting, "Just grow up." Go up and get on with it and stop being so whimsical. Haven't you haven't you touched on something that's probably quite common now though, that maybe the age of whimsy uh, is gone when uh, people feel a bit more cynical about the world. Do you know what I mean? It felt like sort of post nineties. That was the time for whimsy to grow. It's just that I, I don't know I think I think I'm biased because I come from doing stand up and I really hated whimsy whimsical comedy. One of my pet hates is people saying things are wonderful and amazing as a normal work. Amazing is when you win the lottery or you uh, uh, have got like, amazing Spider-Man. That's generally amazing. Yeah. Amazing's not, oh, you opened the door for me. Oh, there's 10% off muffins. <laughs> That's not amazing. You have to watch out for it as a kids TV presenter. Of course. You really? must come across this all the time. Oh, really? What happens? Well, it? the word amazing is just very, very liberally thrown around. And, and like you said, very often it's not amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about some what, cakes what, or something. How have you? Because you've worked in kids TV a while now. Like, how did you did you uh, find this a learning curve of just like everything can't be upbeat or I'll just end up uh, exhausted or what? What's what's the general sort of uh, balance of it? Well, you just I think my central nervous system has just been completely destroyed over the years. <laughs> I mean, you do have to be quite high energy a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I, I suppose I did I did I did it by I I, I kind of. Um, brought a bit of cynicism into it I suppose to entertain myself I think, I think kids uh, need that though I think yeah. they need a realistic output yeah, they that's need, why I got it you needs to be involved. positive that's right yeah. that's right we've both been on uh, Ed's shows 
Yeah, you played a journalist. I played a journalist, um, a builder. Oh yeah, yes, you did play a builder. I played a builder and another one, I think that didn't. It wasn't as good. And I can't remember what I can't <laughs> well, remember. I can't what remember it, was it must have been awful. And yeah. you can, you can, Mar- a bird watcher is a Twitch show. Really? I yeah, I don't that. recall that. That's because we really. used to be on five days a week with uh, Outcho the Cactus on CUBC. How is Outcho? How's he doing? He's dead. Oh, no. He's on a compost heap. Oh, well, they don't last long, do they? Yeah. Did you like Outcho? I loved him. I do. I mourn him. I, I, mourn him. I loved Outcho's voice so much. It's. Um, we should say what this is. Basically, Ed did uh, a show on. Was it CBBC? Uh, yeah, well, it started off as the links in between shows, and then, and then it be, and then we got the our broom cupboard equivalent, wasn't it? Uh, yes, they it used was. to call it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. CBC Office is what we used to call it. And you helped employ a lot of comedy actors, up and coming comedy actors, yeah. giving them roles, playing his, people from history or weird ca- guests. Quite often that come they on. fall into the office through the stationery covers. Yeah. yeah. We had Greg Davies on and uh, now Humphrey. You, you don't have to tell this story, but is it true Greg Davies nearly said cunt live on air <gasps> in front of all of the kids? Because <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> but it didn't happen you can so see it fine. on YouTube yeah yeah you go, you oh really YouTube, you go on YouTube type in Greg Davies Guy Fawkes or something CBC or Ed and Outcho Guy Greg Davies you'll see there's a bit there's a section in it we're doing emails from kids and he thinks we're rehearsing but that's it. I can see how because it was fast wasn't it yeah, like, yeah very you'd fast you'd have to learn the lines for the next link during, during the programme the and they're kids shows so sometimes they're like what's Five minutes long. Five yeah. minutes long, 12 minutes long. During the show, you had to pretend you'd been watching. Yeah, yeah. So you'd come back, oh, that was great, was wasn't great. it? When you'd actually been frantically rehearsing yeah, for the yeah. next link. I, uh, it made me feel alive, to be honest. It was an exciting process. I oh, thought. yeah, yeah. I so said, that's why I've got no central nervous system. <laughs> it's been shocked into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I completely hijacked. You were talking about a film, and I've started. No, no it's fine. We're talking, about, you, we're talking about the overuse of the words amazing and wonderful when things aren't amazing and wonderful certain comics I know say oh that's the most amazing thing ever we've been four or five times in a conversation mm. just if you st- if you start ruining these words then what are you going to have to make up new less good words amazing is a very good word mm. it looks good it suits its purpose so don't use it on rubbish things I, I, find, I think I, it should be a prison sentence Really? Yes. I mean, I think that's harsh, but fair. Yes. Um, I I think that's insane. <laughs> it, might be, it might be insane. Um, I don't know. I appreciate positive people, but I do. I don't trust people who are all everything's great. You know, it feels like culty to me. And sometimes it's a cult of one, but it's still a cult. You know, whereas they feel like they're shielding themselves from and ev- trying to shield everyone else around them from the from reality a bit. And I always enjoy working with people who are sarcastic about everything that we're doing even when it's yeah. something that we love <laughs> TV shows I work on I, I always connect better with people who are just taking yeah, this yeah, out yeah. the entire situation you're quite you do that quite a lot don't you Mary, anything you're involved in you're yeah negative yeah streaming negative about it constantly yeah, yeah. yeah it's why everyone wants to work with you well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't trust these but I've been talking about it before I do not trust over positive people who yeah. go everything I who, who I just think they're trying to get something out of me you know when you're work, we talked about this before. When you work in TV, and you meet some people, and you think you've met people before because they're so nice to you. Mm. You had that thing you go, yeah. oh, I met you. Think immediately, I think, oh shit, <laughs> I, where have I met you before? Where have I met you before? And they're just being really, really nice. But just to, I think you don't even know me. Why are you being nice to me? Unless you're trying to get something out of me. Yeah. I should just say that to them directly to their faces. 
Or just punch them flat in the nose. I, I think I'm right on And it. just go, stop it. Maybe they, this is where they're going to have longer and more fruitful careers than us. That's right. That's right. Career. I'm a, mainly a YouTuber. So but what you can... What you can <laughs> so I was so incensed by this film and the fact I thought it uh, it was... It's just not for me. I'm the wrong audience for it. There it doesn't a, sound like it's the kind of thing Lizzie Rope would enjoy. Why would Lizzie she enjoy it, it anyway? And she's okay. more positive than me, and I think that uh, she laughed and found bits funny. So I think my review is unfair a bit. I particularly liked the the mother, an actress called Doreen Ashbourne, who played Marion, which was um, Jodie Whittaker's mother. Was brilliant. I thought a really great performance. But the main actress who played, she's the one from uh, what was that? Oh, sorry. This is really annoying for listeners. The the thing by a cliff in Devon where someone got killed. The murder with Olivia Coleman in it. The really famous. Oh, Broadchurch. Broadchurch. She played the the, the sort of mother in young mother in Broadchurch. Oh, she's good. Yeah, I thought she was a miscast for this. Okay. I just thought she was just. It's odd miscasting, isn't it? Because it's a very different feeling to just their crap. You know what I mean? Where you just go, no, I can see they're good. It's because not at this. Um, it's really. I watched Sisters re- uh, recently, yeah. uh, which is a comedy starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and it's one of the oddest films because I mean, often com- comedy films aren't funny anyway because they've not been written by the stars and there's just a disconnect between the material and the people. But it's the weirdest thing because they're clearly cast as the wrong sisters. <laughs> like <laughs> Tina Fey is playing like the. Uh, the slightly crazed party animal and Amy Poehler's playing the really sensible slightly nerdy one oh, and you just go no <laughs> no no yeah. wrong way round why would that happen I don't know I don't know maybe they're trying to break down their uh... maybe they're uh, they're typecast yeah I don't know very odd very odd so I did not enjoy this film I made a short film to try and see if I can make a film about whimsy yeah. which sums up everything I like your whimsy film but that's basically everything I hate about whimsy yeah. I just think that you can just think, say things are whimsical without having any reason or point or joke it can just be you know just a leaf floating down from a tree playing some acoustic music on it uh, they do a thing where there's a that sounds lovely a shoe yeah, she's really relaxing past, she cycles past a shoe a lone shoe at one point, and then at the end of it, after the denouement of the film, she finds the other pair of the shoe and puts it by the other shoe, and it made me want to throw a glass at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Why did she give those shoes to someone? It, you know they talk about watching violent films, yeah. makes you more violent. Mm. This is the opposite. Watching whimsical films makes people violent. I think I'm learning more about you than I am about the film. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a very nice person. Um, I just I just found it really uh, annoying and and wet. If someone and knitted you a watch, yes, that's and gave I mean. it to you, yeah, what would you do to them? Would you accept the gift? Well, <laughs> that's what it, interesting because I anyone who knows me who did that would do it as a joke. But it, it's not. It's it's meant. It's earnest. It's sincere. I'd say thank you, and I'd be polite about it. And. And then what would you do when, once you're at home? I think we're getting to the crux of the matter now, is that I think whimsy is fake. Okay, okay. I think a lot of it is fake, that sort of, ah, uh, like we are talking about before, about using the words amazing and wonderful when yeah. they're not appropriate. I think it's fake, and I think I don't believe it. You think they're just too lazy to actually write something proper? I, I just think it's just this sort of wetness and going, oh, everything's magical, everything's great, 
And once you get past 30, because the captain's about to turn 30, yeah. I think if you're still whimsical at 30, you're an idiot. <laughs> well, there you go, whimsical freaks. You're I, all idiot. I've come across really badly, but, you know, that's life. Quite all right. <laughs> Quite all right. Well, let's move on. What was that film called? Adult Life Skills. Adult Life Skills. Oh, irony. I used to have a joke about that. Huh? I used to have a joke about what that. was the joke? Up. Was it good? It was, my joke was, my mum and dad sent me to boarding school because they said it would give me adult life skills. But so far in my adult life, I've yet to be woken up by somebody hitting me with a hockey stick and shouting, Petrie, Petrie, Bender, where have you hidden your fucking biscuits? <laughs> remember I remember that, that yeah. Do you remember that? I yeah. was doing that way back in 2003. And now is a perfect time for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to play a game, I think. Take all your clothes off. <laughs> and stand in the shed. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to play... <laughs> We're going to play uh, the casting game. Um, now, there have been rumours on the internet, and these rumours have been substantiated by uh, uh, castings and uh, directors signing on that they're going to remake The Highlander. Uh, they'll remake all films eventually, because we don't need new ideas. Um, so we are going to put forward our suggestions for who should play MacLeod, Ramirez and the Kurgan. And, Ed, if you wouldn't mind judging this one. Now, judge. we talked about this before... You've watched the film again as preparation for this role. You are taking it far more seriously than any other guest we've ever had. It's been so long since I saw it. It must have been what did you make of years. it? It's just not the film I remembered at all. What it's so weird, isn't it? When you watch yeah, something yeah. and you watched it in the era it was made, and now it, I mean, it's just so unbelievably eighties. It's the most eighties yeah. thing. I I love how eighties his outfit is in the you know the the bright white trainers and the very. Yeah. And the hairstyles that you didn't even yeah. realise were eighties at the time. You go, oh yes, it's it's just it's just screaming eighties in my face all the way through. It was distracting me for even you know the historical bits are eighties. Yeah, historical bits. It, when I uh, revisited it as an adult for the first time, I had no recollection of the uh, incredibly camp wrestling intro that there is. Yeah, uh, where it's a bit weird that isn't it? <laughs> cutting between uh, the incredible oh, shot that goes around the ring. When he's watching the uh, wrestling the star, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an amazing shot that they goes around the whole stadium. Yeah. Like they've got a drone or something. I've actually no idea how they did it. And then it zooms, zooms in right on into his eyes. Face. Yeah, they cut on the uh, the uh, flash guns. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and <laughs> the car, you watched the, it too much as well. Oh, the car park's the first one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, great yes. scene. Car park sequence. Anyway, so we are gonna we are gonna cast this. Um, who would you like to hear first? Do you want McLeod, Ramirez, or the Kurgan? Uh, oh, let's go with McLeod because I just I found I found it fascinating just how how bad Christopher Lambert is. <laughs> you talk about miscast. Yeah, yeah. The, As a Scot, the only man in the cast who can't do a Scottish accent. Yes. Even the guy playing an Egyptian Spaniard can yeah, do yeah, a Scottish accent. I know. Incredible. It's like, why is Sean Connery the most <laughs> Scottish man in the world? And, and then he's not supposed to be Scottish. Yeah, he so clearly is. Amazing. Do you want to go first? Sure. Also, um, I can go first if you like. No, because you're going to. You think we've picked the same one, <laughs> so you want to pick the first. I've actually picked uh, two choices for each, so go ahead, Mark. That's fine. I think you have to stick with the same theme of someone who's not Scottish, some European yeah. playing a Scottish character. Yeah, you've picked the same Clever. one as me. I've gone for uh, the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Lannister. Nicholas Costa, well, 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 well
Ah. And uh, just so you know, I'm I'm not cheating. I've also uh, put his name down there. Um, uh, yeah, I, but I'm going to pick another one for okay. a contest. I think that's a good choice. So what, so what nationality is he? He's actually? Danish. Is he? Yeah. You I thought he would. I he's in he an incredible British. film called Headhunter, um, which is just uh, watch it. It's great. He's very good. I but think he's he's, one of the best he's in Game of Thrones. He is, and he's. His accent's good, actually. I think his yeah, English accent. Very good. You know, it only occasionally sounds foreign, but he needs to sound like he's from lots of places. There's a brilliant, um, there's a brilliant film I watched called Nightwatch from 1994, when he's really young at it. So that's 22 years ago, right. and there's all the Danish actors who are people in the bridge and stuff like that, really, really young. 20, you see them. It's brilliant. So I recommend watching that. Anyway, uh, and what, could, I'm going in a different direction with it. Okay. I'm going to actually undo the mistakes of the past and cast a Scotsman in this role. So I'm going. I was thinking, who is a genuine Scot? Who is that sort of leading man? But I could believe is going. For, you know, playing this sort of simultaneously uh, Scottish man who's coming to terms with all of this shit, and then wise immortal in the present day I'm going for James McAvoy interesting there's two uh, two solid choices you give me there come on mate <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oh. ultimately the decision's yours I'm going to go with Marix because I like the logic okay. I enjoy watching him on screen. He is. I'd like to see him in more stuff, actually. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll be interesting what happens to the Game of Thrones lot when it's over, because all of them are desperate, obviously, to make that leap to the big screen so that they can continue having careers, I guess. But it's like it's it's weird, isn't it, with telly? That so yeah. They are the biggest stars in the world now. You yeah. know, and it's not happened for the guys who've been killed off. You know, the Rob Starks. Well, the guy who well. plays Jon Snow, he had a crack at it with that. He did, yeah. Was it Pompeii that he did. He did Pompeii, and then he did one called. Um, uh, he did the Spooks film that was called um, MI5 in America, which. And they used the font from the Mission Impossible films on the poster, <laughs> so it just looked like Mission Impossible Five, yeah. which is a bit cheaty. But they didn't do any business, so. Yeah. But yeah, he's very short as well. Isn't he, he is. And Amelia Clark did the Terminator film, which was a, a bust as well, wasn't yeah. it? But anyway, they're, um, they're all doomed. Yeah, all doomed. Yeah. Idiots! They should never have got their hopes up in the I'm, first place. I'm glad I'm not in Game of Thrones. Yeah, me too. And God, they, they, they the worst. Get to do the 20 years of appearance fees at Comic Con for about a grand a pop. Oh, yeah. for the rest of their lives. Yeah. yeah, that's all they get to do. Um, okay, let's do. Uh, who do you want next? Uh, Ramirez or the Kurgan? Let's go Ramirez. Leave Ramirez to the last. Ramirez. Yeah. Um, that was good. Thanks, Kurgan voice. Do it again. Ramirez. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bloody loved the Kurgan as a kid. Clancy Brown, I think, is such a. It should be celebrated as one of the best. We're, actors. Not, talk, we're not talking about him. Sorry, uh, the, Ramirez. So you've got your Spanish peacock, um, <laughs> who is he's got a twinkle in his eye. Uh, he's a mentor figure. I think he. I would like him to actually be played by a Spaniard. I'm uh, going for this. I'm going for Antonio Banderas. That's exactly the same one as I picked. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would have picked him as well. He's the obvious choice. I think he, and playing Zorro, he's got that swashbuckling uh, charm to him, but he's now older. I think he would be great. Did you. Can I, I, while Merrick is frantically trying to think of sure. another actor, can I, can I point out something that maybe as a bigger fan of the film you might understand? I couldn't understand why he turns up and teaches the Highlander in the first place. When in the end there can be only there one. There can be only one. I like, mate, what are you doing? You they sh- justify really sh- it in a line, and it's that. Uh, 
he has to train somebody to be better than the Kurgan because otherwise evil wins and he knows he isn't better than the Kurgan um, he knows right. the Kurgan will ultimately kill him so he's got to train up somebody to be better than he is Right. I think that's the logic well, I might well, have from when it's but ropey, the other yeah, Spanish actor bit... who's actually more who's one of my favourite actors who could do everything Oh, I looked at him, but I think he's a bit sinister. But okay, well, I think it would be great, more interesting. Javier Bardem. I don't know who he is. He's the baddie in um, Skyfall. Uh, only, he's uh, in uh, no Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Oh. He's the psychopath in No Country yes, for yes, Old yes, Men. Yes. Of course, I know who he is. Yeah. Ah. Yep. There he is. There. Yeah. I'm showing you nice. Oh, he's got a lovely smile. He's quite. <laughs> Oh, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him play a hero. Yes, would, yes, yeah. would, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it's a bit left field. Yes, it make it be more interesting film, wouldn't it? Go on, mate. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Yes, I've already won. I've already won. It's a mistake. Won. It's a mistake, but that's all right. Everyone so can make mistakes. It's so good sorry, because my Kurgans are really off the wall. Really, mine's quite. Mine's never been in a film, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, right, let's do. Is the, it you? Because you can do. It's the voice. Mate, I can do his voice. Um, um, no, it's me first, is it? Uh, yeah, it is. You need someone who looks a bit like a monster, who's scary, um, who could do a German accent. He's Russian. Uh, Russian, he Russian, uh, Russian yeah. sorry, Russian accent. I've gone for someone who's not even Russian, but he just who could do. He's a good enough actor. Mickey Rourke. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> Wow, think you have gone re- left field. Think of him as the wrestler. <laughs> think of him as the wrestler. I know, but he's so old now. He'd be great, he's though, so he? old. I mean, he he's on barely, his third face. He can probably barely get out of the chair. I don't even have to win. That's even in the Expendables, <laughs> he only ever sits down. I mean, Mickey Rourke as a Kurgan would be great. Okay, I have gone for... <laughs> I want uh, The Kurgan is so physically imposing and yet scary like genuinely scary I was actually genuine, I was quite scared by him yeah, yeah like as a, as a man oh, and his, fully grown man he, he's terrifying I have gone for someone who I think is actually genuinely terrifying and as a, a guy chasing you with a broadsword you would just be like no is uh, Brock Lesnar now if you've not heard of Brock Lesnar he is the WWE wrestler who is currently top of their leagues who is now going into actual UFC because he is an he is a beast. He oh is God. an absolute Dave, beast. show me a photograph of him. He's got a broadsword tattooed on him. <laughs> That's right. Actually on his chest. It's got to be him. It's got to be Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's dedicated. Me. I mean look at that. I mean yeah, he the man is the man is a thumb. Right. <laughs> you know. The thing is that he crushed so, Mickey Rourke. He's so good. What's his name? The original Kurgan. Clancy Brown. Yeah, it's, he's the hardest to cast, I think. Clancy Brown. I mean, how can you recast Clancy Brown in anything? Like, Shawshank is the yeah. uh, the terrifying that. screw. Um, Starship Troopers as uh, their Isn't drill that? sergeant. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I didn't realise. Kills Starship the brain Troopers. bug at the end. Ah. He's it's afraid. Yeah, is yeah. that that bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the. Uh... Oh no, that's the very end. That's, that's the, the very end. end. Yes, when that's Doogie, uh, Howser, Doogie Howser, Yeah, oh, it's a great film. That no, but Clancy Brown's brilliant. Um, I always, I always, I always get uh, sorry, sidetrack, but no. um, I, I always annoys. What's he called? Paul. Ver, what's the Paul director? Verhoeven. Yes, I always get annoyed when people don't understand his angle and where he's coming from yeah. so people would just say oh Starship Troopers is a fascist film go, no it's not it clearly isn't it's a satire it, of, of America and fascism yeah. and 
and, and Robocop is a, is a the same, yeah, yeah. You know, Militarising the police. Yeah. And they've gone there. They've totally and gone the same, there. One, me and my wife, one of our favourite films is Showgirls because it's, 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 it's exactly the same genre. He is satirising the sexualisation yes. of American culture. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love the fact that when he was on the set, he, the, there's a direct quote of him saying, how can we get more tits in this movie? <laughs> and people would use that as a, a weapon against him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a terrible director to say that. You know, that's a brilliant thing to say because of what he was trying I, to do. He was, I, it's I a think satire. it's fun Amazing. Showgirls is is an incredible piece of work. We were it's, talking about it's it last week. Like that. Um, it's it's meant to be as bad as it is. Yeah, it is absolutely. I mean, you don't realise that it's so sad. Because but he you're does hyper violent sci fi's and sex movies. Yeah. And <laughs> he's he knows what he's, he knows his uh, his genres. You know, I I think he's brilliant. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But no, you're right. Showgirls is ridiculous. I love Showgirls. It's amazing. Um, well, that Marek, that's a that's a two one victory to you on the high yeah. there. It was nice. So that means you have to direct it now. Okay. How can we get more tits in this? How can we get more whimsy in? <laughs> more whimsical. The whimsical Highlander. That would be good to watch, wouldn't it? Yeah. Fighting each other with feathers. <laughs> um, well, you brought a film in. You have brought a I film. I did. I did. You've literally brought I, it in. Oh, yeah. I was so... I was so excited to be able to talk about this. I, I brought in the DVDs because I'm such a fanboy of uh, this director and his work. So Tell there us they all are. About it. Yeah, you brought in the film Oh Lucky Man. Yes. Now we can we can we can get on to uh, what it's about in a bit, but it's it's the second of a trilogy. A yes. Sort of. It's a loose trilogy. Yes. But it Lindsay Anderson. Lindsay Anderson. It started in with If in the sixties. Sixty eight. Sixty eight. Oh Lucky Man's in in the seventy three. Seventy three. Yeah. Uh, the second one uh, tell us about it tell us about well this have you when you were, I think it's particularly when you were a teenager did you have a film that you just got completely obsessed with and you just watched over and over again I had a couple your, but yeah you yeah. start to feel like you actually made it yourself like you have <laughs> such an attachment to it yeah, yeah. and like I, I'm, I'm very protective of this film and if anyone tries to criticise it I get very defensive uh, because I've just watched it far too many times um, and I, I suppose the reason I got obsessed with If because I went to a boarding school If is set in a boarding school and is it a spoiler to tell people what happens at the end of that film? Uh, no, I mean, it's it's from the 60s. Yeah. But, uh, well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Well, there was a sort of revolution. Yeah, revolution. There was a sort of revolution in a boarding school, which obviously I was at a boarding school. I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then and then, so I wanted to watch the sequel, which is nothing like the first film at all, really, but a lot has a lot of the same cast in it. It's got the same directorial feel and flair, hasn't it? Yeah. Which, uh, uh, so, Oh Lucky Man story. is about um, Malcolm McDowell, who started his career in If, yes. the first film of the trilogy um, and he plays a, cof- a coffee salesman but yeah. he's new to it really and then by chance gets a big responsibility to go and try and sell to the whole of the north yeah. and then just goes off on an odyssey basically through at the time contemporary British society yeah yeah no I'm glad you picked up on that uh, that's exactly I see it as the odyssey set in 1970s Britain yeah um, which apparently wasn't based on the Odyssey. They were thinking of some other classical work. I can't remember what it was now. Yes, I read that somewhere as well. Very, very loosely based upon yeah. another piece. But it was the idea came from Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, because he used to be a coffee salesman himself. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a big gang show basically. You can see lots of lots of people who work in it all chucked in. Then, then there's a, there's a there's a there's the equivalent of a Greek chorus throughout it as well with Alan Price. The, the supporting cast is music. absolutely phenomenal as well, like because they all play uh, multiple roles in it, so yes. it feels. Which everyone who went on to be huge yeah. names in British TV. You got Arthur Lowe, Helen Mirren, the, a guy who uh, I'm going to forget his name now, but um, 
Graham. The bloke. The bloke. Uh, I'm going to look it up. It's Jeffrey Gra- Palmer Jeff- is in it as well. He pops up. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Richardson's in it, obviously. He's the incredible. guy with a mole on his thing. What's his name? Warren. Oh, oh. Uh, what's his name? One David? No. He died recently. Oh, one. He's in Clockwork Orange as well. Uh, it's, yeah, it's stuck, like every single Warren scene. Clark. Warren it's, Clark. Um, it's Graham Crowden, I'm thinking of, who plays um, two professors in it, but he plays the professor at oh, the, the Institute. Oh, the Scottish guy, Professor then, Miller. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I just think he's phenomenal. But um, I, I actually... Had, I hadn't heard much about this film at all, so it was a complete surprise, but I watched If first. Uh, good, I, good I spent many hours watching the work of uh, Lindsay Anderson this uh, this week. And do you mind if we talk about If first? Because If is a phenomenal piece of work, I think. It's just got... What? This is the thing. I watched If and Oh, oh Lucky Man, and I suddenly felt like I was far more connected and understood Monty Python more. Yes. Does that make sense? Because so much of... Their, especially the film Meaning of Life is taken from Directly. If and Oh Lucky Man oh Lucky Directly Mike. stolen I Yeah, think, yeah, I think so and, and actually the first episode of Ripping Yarns as well which is Tompkins and School Days is just If If it was a very big deal back in the day because it, it won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival yeah. it, uh, it was the summer of 68 all the riots going on in Paris and everything and it's a very revolutionary film so yeah, the, the if would have been at the forefront of the minds of yeah, the yeah. before Monty Python because it was. It but there's was. some Monty Python gags in there that have just been completely stolen by them. You know, yeah. it, it, it's 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 weird, but it feels and and of course it's so late sixties that it's it's got that exact same it's film stock and feel and everyone's accents are the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got that accent you do when also, you're on films. Interesting fact. You know uh, how the film is sometimes in colour and sometimes black and white. Yes. There's absolutely no reason for that. It's completely random. It all apparently depended on... It was just budgetary. Right. Like, oh, well, we can only afford black and white for this bit today. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but it, it discombobulates you. It makes you pay attention, I yeah. think. I think it's great. And then though, I love the, the introduction of surrealism. For the first hour of the film, it makes perfect sense. And then all of a sudden, like a character dies yeah. and suddenly comes back to life for no reason at all. <laughs> just all these weird things start happening. You're like, what the hell is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. I love, I love that. It's, that's that 60s anarchy surrealist yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's... Uh... No, it's it's great, and it's Malcolm McDowell's first film, and he is he's great in it. He's just like he's just got this. You want to watch him. He's got it, it's pre um, Clockwork Orange. This, so you can sort of see him working out what it is he's brilliant at. That's, that's this how he got film. the role in uh, Clockwork yeah. Orange. Well, apparently, for his audition, he rang up Lindsay Anderson, the director, and said, "What shall I do?" And Lindsay Anderson said, "That scene when you walk in to be beaten by he's going to be Kane. Do that face. Yeah, do that face, that face, and that's what he did. He did the smiling evil face. But that is now so influential in all of cinema because now that is the villain's face that everyone does. Everyone who's played the Joker just plays um, plays Alex from Clockwork Orange, basically. But interestingly, it came from him playing the hero in If. Yeah, it's great. But Oh Lucky Man is uh, is the film we want to talk about now. Mary, you, you watched this as well, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it is mental. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally mental, and it's sprawling. It's three hours long. You don't like long films, do you? I've picked up on this. No, this I do. I do like them. I don't either normally, it, it, but I love being. I love immersing myself in this world. It, it, this I, one. It feels like when I watched Youth and I enjoyed it. And it you, you, you do feel. I think this film almost has more value as it's got older. 
because you really sense you feel it in the step it feels totally British I, and you I, feel, yeah, it, it does. You feel that nostalgia for that but really I also captures the seventies in the looks and the actors, just just the way it, uh, the, uh, the whole feeling. I can't whether it's all the British actors have become a part of our lives, but um, I think I think I think it's because because it is so long and they have the luxury of all these sort of lingering shots of you know that's the, when they're driving into London yeah yeah and you get that shot I don't know what it, whether it's the M4 or whatever but it's and just like oh that doesn't exist anymore yeah, that, yeah. it looks modern and yet at the same time you can see all these dirty terraced houses and. And you just get the luxury of gazing on 1970s London in a way that you more, don't in most films. I felt more connected to this country and where we're at now from watching these films, I have to say, because, you know, it's the establishment were furious at If when it was released, from what I've read. Well, and the director shot it at his old public school. Right, but he, came, them he the gave them a fake script <laughs> of the end. He, he hadn't put the end in the script yeah. he showed the school. Um, he was banned, apparently, <laughs> from the school then. <laughs> A, yeah. uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, because it for, we are still ruled by the same uh, public school elites who are going through that process when they are young, vulnerable, you know, another kids. Thing, another, you thing go, thing wow, found, another thing I found interesting watching it, uh, watching A Lucky Man again recently, because I hadn't seen it for a couple of years, as I watched it for this, it's it's just as Britain's joined the common market. So yeah, it's just yeah. as we're entering, entering Europe, and you see how, like... How, grubby everything looks how shit everything is <laughs> but that's what he's excited by as well is charge isn't it? everything yeah. yeah yeah he's he's forging off into the future and then you know current events is like oh yeah we've just had a bunch of people just drag us right back to where we were he gets dragged into uh, um uh, the military base the military base section I love that scene that's, that's uh, near where I grew up that's oh, RF Filingdales those big uh, those big golf balls yeah. uh, are uh, uh, that's, radar that, dishes that's when the film so basically for the first 45 minutes of the film nothing of any real consequence happens does it and then all of a sudden he finds himself put with a bag over his head yeah, yeah. to an army base when he's just trying to get in. north that's yeah. it although we, we've ha- we have had the weird um, northern strip club Oh, uh, chocolate sandwich, chocolate sandwich. So what is it? I don't. What is it supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's it's just sort of beautiful. I don't. I don't think I. I want to try and describe it. But you know, there's oh, another film actually. I think that you you would enjoy if you haven't seen it already. Called The Rise and Rise of Michael Rimmer. Yes, I've seen it. Which is um, Peter, a Cook. Peter Cook, but it feels very uh, it, uh, almost of a piece. Probably influenced by this, to be honest. But. Um, of a man who just is ambitious and he goes on this almost odyssey through Britain but rising up by being villainous basically yeah. he's got Arthur Lowe in it as well in fact oh he does actually um, yeah. uh, but uh, I, what I like about it is it's a very self-indulgent film there's no doubt about it but what I like about it is it kind of just captures life in a way that I think most films don't because most films have a narrative proper narrative structure and this one is just a series of almost random events that yeah. happen to a man but and he's it? unlucky and then he's unlucky and then he's lucky and he's unlucky yeah, yeah. and you get to the end and that's that yeah. but, it's, it's, but it's a satire yeah. it's a satire of um, of the whole of the country at the time so you've got your bit of the lunacy of the military and the lunacy of uh, of science and the lunacy of big business and it's just it's a total just Look at these idiots, and they they all have power. You know that's what it's. It's a bit of. like Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Which was hugely uh, criticised at the time for being very disrespectful of the establishment as well. Yeah, which is what is this? Yeah, there's no, there's a single authority figure in this film, 
I don't know if I hadn't seen it as if I saw it first time as an adult, I might think it was a bit childish in its approach yeah. to society and the world. Sure. But as a teenager, I was like, yes, all policemen are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Every single person in it who's an authority figure, the judge, yeah. everyone, they're just, yeah, horrible. Yeah. they're just trying to suppress you and stop you doing what you want to do. Um, I think it's brilliant. I mean, it won't be played on telly ever again. Can we talk very briefly about Arthur Lowe in the uh, in the final third? Yes. For that, when he was blacked up. With... It's very odd. Because you've got this ensemble cast um, who play different characters, they crop up again and again. And Arthur Lowe, famous as being Captain Mannering in uh, Dad, Dad's Army, plays... Is he, a, is he a king or is he a president? He's a president. President of an African nation yes. uh, who's overdoing a business deal. And it's a very, very odd decision to black him up rather than get another actor. Especially when they've got black actors as well. Oh, well around uh, the time. I, wonder, yeah. I wonder what they must be thinking. <laughs> I know. Just it's, when they've got their one night thing, it's crying out. It's extraordinary. Just seeing it now, you know, it his is. His accent's not great. Either. His accent, he's doing his best approximation of somewhere in Africa. No. Uh, yeah, but, it's, <laughs> but a man who's been gone through sort of British education is sort of the, the idea you get. From, I actually... I, I, in some ways, I, I don't find it offensive because it's—he's not actually—he's—he's in—he's in a position of power playing yeah. a role. He's not playing the man it's as a It's just an odd decision because I read that Lindsay Anderson actually didn't want to go that way and was persuaded by someone. History doesn't relate who, yeah. uh, but it just is a very odd decision. But you know, he won a BAFTA apparently. Oh, really? Best supporting actor. But he can get away. I think Arthur Lowe. Yeah. Think that specific role. Oh, lucky man. Yeah. Those wow. those three characters that he plays in the film. But I think because he's. It is an ensemble piece, and they're they're playing reoccurring characters. It doesn't seem as bad as it could do in a certain circumstances. But you also, know. also, he doesn't seem like an African man. No. That's the thing. That that is the weirdest thing for me. Um, you know, it felt a bit like um, uh, what was it called Cloud Atlas, but where yes. only one actor is actually playing a different ethnicity. And you're like, what are you doing, mate? Yeah. I don't know. That felt weird to me. I, but not not in a took me out of it. It was just like. Odd choice, okay. but, but also that's that's partly the the director Lindsay Anderson. He was actually primarily a theatre director, and he used to work at the Royal Court. And that sort of stuff was well, they, part of the course. He back. would have been well into Brecht and all that stuff, yeah, and that yeah. was all about uh, making you realise that you're watching a production and that these people are actors. And so th- throughout the whole film, there's all sorts of little devices to kind of jolt you into realising that this isn't real. Yes, and and it's it's all to do with Marxist theory and. <laughs> It's just to make you realise that the world is changeable. No, but it's quite interesting. Though. I think it's almost, it could have been a deliberate choice. To, uh, mm. to, he's trying to remind. That's what the band's there for as well, and that's what yeah, the band comes the film halfway through as characters. Yeah, it's all to kind of remind you this is a film. It's not real. These people are actors. Um, it's yeah. supposed to make you. It's supposed to make you feel that you can go out and change the world because things aren't set. And the, the dog, your dog's sniffing my crotch. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> He he's like the uh, he just loves he's like the orchestra theory. in uh, in the Oscars. He he will play you off if the uh, if you're if you're talking for too much. It's, oh. <laughs> it's it's I I think Oh Lucky Man is fantastic. I think If is fantastic. I want to watch the third one, Britannia Hospital, now because I I had not seen this it film. is a not very good film. He's like oh that's a shame yeah. that's a shame because he's playing the same character. Well, it's, Travis is in it. Yeah, yeah. Mac McDowell's in it. Leonard Roster is in it. Who I love. Yeah, he pops up in it. Is it uh, the Professor same? Miller comes back as a very central role. Oh yeah, and some of the scenes, standalone scenes, are brilliant. Um, some of it, same as a Lucky Man, actually, quite a few bits of it are sampled in in dance music and all sorts of things. So a, lot, a lot of people think it's a very iconic film. Obviously, last scene of the film is incredible, but generally it's a bit ropey. It's oh. like a bad carry on film. 
That's a shame. It's got Robin Asquith in it. <laughs> My mum said an interesting thing. I think it's really true for this film. She said to me, um, what were you watching? Well, I watched a lot with her. She said it was quite nice because it, it felt like a different film. She said all actors on... She film modern film. She said all the actors look the same these days. Not in a racist way, but, mm. you know, as in that chiselled, good-looking faces. And when you watch something like this, when you watch a lot of films set in the last ten years, then you watch Oh Lucky Man. Yeah. It really strikes you the range of character faces you see on screen. You know, different people aren't there. Ugly faces, odd faces, different characters, yeah. and, and odd performances watch... as well. Everyone does what I call vanity acting these days. So but just, it's just wants all good, to it's all be looking people doing the same things. Yeah, it's like everyone in a film is actually uh, auditioning for the next film. So they're all trying to be as castable as possible in every role by just being sort of beautiful and well lit and still and do nothing too interesting you know no one's no one's Nicolas Cage anymore apart from poor Nicolas Cage uh, do you know what I mean yeah. well Malcolm McDowell is, he's always come across as an actor he's quite willing to humiliate himself yeah there's, there's scenes in this where he really doesn't come out looking very good he's walking there's one of the scenes just walking around in a pair of really crap white fronts yeah and you know he's not got the best physique by modern standards and, uh, well that's it everyone's a model these days aren't they yeah. everyone's uh, it's bad everyone's got incredible hair I, that's what I love about films in the 60s and 70s where you could have a leading man with crap hair <laughs> you know they've, they've got hair dryers I think but no one's really discovered product other than, uh, other oh, than can I just hairspray say, can I just say something else that struck me watching this film again uh, that I loved was the fact he throughout the film he constantly has sex with middle aged women yeah, that's true. Despite the fact he's meant to be in his early twenties, yeah. I love that. It's such, it's such an unconventional. Normally, it's completely the other way around. That's Britain, though, isn't it? That's yeah. <laughs> what Britain, nineteen seventies Britain. Yeah. And there's also another weird bit. Uh, Rachel Roberts is one of the recurring characters. I don't really know much about the, the actress who's the old lady in the coffee shop. Oh yeah, yeah. And she commits suicide later on in this film. Yes. And she did in real life. Yeah, she did during was the it, film, I think. No, was it was after. Oh, it was after, 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 yeah. after. Oh, ten married, years. Oh, right. Okay. She was married to Rex Harrison. She drank a caustic chemical. With her oh, my amazing God. Why apparently. would you? Oh, God, that's not a way to go. I know, yeah, it's a really sad film. And you know that whole section? Uh, you know when he leaves prison and then he meets the Salvation Army and then he um, and then that, that incident with her in the flat and everything? When I first saw this film at the BFI... He walked out of prison, met the down and outs, and that whole section wasn't in the film. So when I saw it the second time, a year later on video, I felt like I'd actually gone mad because there was this whole section of the film I didn't remember. And apparently what it was was that for the American release, they decided the film was too long and they told them to cut some out. Right. And they sat down to watch the film in its entirety and they forgot to put on Real 9 and the, f- the film still made sense. <laughs> <laughs> the director just went, oh, sod it, just, just leave out Real 9. <laughs> So that whole section of the film is about 15 minutes long. It adds nothing to the plot. Yeah. It's completely pointless and worthless, really. Yeah. But I still enjoy watching it. I, I don't know. I don't think it's worthless because he he is demonstrating how he has changed from his time in prison. You know. But you still get that when he, when That's he goes true. to he, with the salvation goes to help out the well. soup kitchen. No, you're, right. you're right. It's pointless. It is completely pointless. Yeah. Point. If the film is too long, there's no doubt yeah. about it. But they'll remake it soon. But what do you... Th- what do you <laughs> they will never remake that film. <laughs> What do you exist? But I'm really interested to know because this is it, because I have almost like a weird ownership of it. How do you? How many Marricks and Davies would you give it? Marricks, Marricks, not so. I would give it six, six or seven Marricks. I enjoy. It's just seven. It's a different experience. 
Have you ever seen anything like it? No, I haven't. I, it, it felt similar to... Oh. I can't put my hand... A rambling odyssey is the perfect description of it. You know a film I think, I think it directly inspired? It was the Muppet movie. The very first Muppet yeah, movie, I, I think, copied Oh Lucky Man. It's a, it's a road movie and at the end there's a song and they're all jumping around yeah, and the balloons yeah. falling down. It's very, very similar. I thought it was brilliant. I'd, I'd probably give it nine. Yay! I really, really enjoyed it. But I... I I went into a Lindsay Anderson hole, you see, and I think that also helped because I just felt so much... It's a world. Discovered. Yeah, it is. It really is. Cr- they created their own world and you can immerse yourself in it for hours and watch it repeatedly if you're 15 years old and have time on your hands, which I don't anymore. <laughs> and it just really stands up to repeat viewing very, yeah. very well. Which is odd for a long film, but there's, yeah. plenty, to, there's plenty to love in it. Um, oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, lucky man. Uh, well, in order, if Oh Lucky Man and Britannia Hospital, which, if you're saying, maybe... That might, it's still might worth a look. look. Yeah. It's still worth a look if you enjoyed the Revisit that. Um, well, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Eh? Is there <coughs> anything you want to plug? Do you uh, have a Twitter handle or anything? I am on Twitter, Ed Petrie. I'm on Twitter. I'm on CBBC all the time in entertaining children but if you listen to this you're not a child well we've got one child who writes Have you? Oh, okay. well, it's about five years ago he's probably doing probably off getting off of girls around the back of some bins <laughs> yeah but you can listen to this in headphones while he does that oh, of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay well if you are getting off with a girl behind a bin and uh, you're 14 years old um, maybe you might want to watch Marrying Mum and, Marry and Dad or All Over the Place which okay. are the two shows I do ah cool uh, well um, if you'd like to write to us then go to our website filmfandango.com and fill in the box there and we'll get your message we'll be back next week keep, keep watching, watching the films, films. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.